0: Hello, this is your host, George Muniz Gund. Welcome to another episode of Unpacking Neuroqueerness. In this episode, I want to talk about a few different things, but I'm going to start with autistic meltdowns, burnout, and shutdown. What those are exactly. Um, So to start, I'm going to um, let everyone know you might have not, you very likely have not Ter- heard of these terms before and that is because they aren't really uh researched or talked about talked about very much in society in mainstream journalism and research and media unfortunately because as you know listeners as frequent listeners of this podcast will already know the conversation around autism is still very much viewed from a pathology paradigm where autism is viewed as a disease of some sort uh, that needs to be cured or fixed. And and the the problem, um, the reason for this is... Because uh, there is very little education on autism, even in psychology courses. And there's just so, there's such little conversation that people end up associating disabilities that are related to autism as uh, autism. So an autistic person that may have a apraxia of speech or conditions like ataxia um or maybe you know other other variety of disabilities sensory processing disorder disabilities that aren't that are common with autistics with autistic brains but they are not they don't define the autism these disabilities aren't what autism is there are people that i i believe there are people out there As a matter of fact, I know that there are people out there that think or used to think that autism was just about not speaking or just about having a condition like ataxia, maybe, you know, just about having these disabilities that can be really debilitating. And... um. That starts to get into uh, the topic of dynamic disability as well, but I'm going to start with meltdown, burnout, and shutdown. Um, Sorry we had to go off course a little bit, that's just what my brain tends to do sometimes, Um, so I should actually get in the habit of not apologizing for it, but you know, it's all part of the journey. So, um, meltdowns are very intense... Emotional uh, reactions that an autistic person will have in a certain situation, if they're triggered, if they, well, there there are a lot of factors that can lead up to a meltdown. Um, it it will the the first thing that is going to greatly, at least from my perspective, with my own flavor of autism. I now I'm getting into a topic: meltdown, burnout, shutdown. I am getting into a topic that is... I'm going to be talking about how how this is for autistic people in general, but I want to remember everyone, as usual, that I have my own flavor of autism, and I experience autism from different ways, different perspectives than other autistics do, however, there is a lot of things that, there are a lot of things that we all agree on, and there are a lot of traits that we share in common, hence the diagnosis of autism. Anyways, so this is going to be different for everyone. A meltdown is going to be different for everyone, but to, to me, in general, what it's usually like is it's a very strong reaction to either a sensory stimuli or an emotional uh, overload situation. Um, sensory overload, emotional overload, those are what can cause... Those are what usually cause the meltdown to begin, to start. There's a rumble phase where you feel... You start, you know, you're in overload and you're starting to lose it. And, you know, then there's this moment where you just snap and and then the meltdown occurs. Um, and But we have to understand that it's not just about, uh, and I'll discuss this further. Um, I'm going to continue my train of thought, but it's not just about the sensory overload or the emotional overload that... Triggers the meltdown It's it's about how um, How depleted is your energy how how are you feeling? Before the sensory overload or the emotional overload happens It depends a lot on the state you are in before the trigger is even pulled and if you're in a state where you haven't slept very much, if you're in a state where you're dealing with other emotional stuff, you know, that your brain, especially as an autistic person or a neurodistinct person, your brain is very preoccupied and and like processing and running really hard and o- almost like overheating already with what it's already got going on and then you add one more thing to that even if it may seem minor um com- uh, to most people it it just explodes that's just too much and it's the overload so it overheats and if nothing is done about it think of it like a short circuit or something you know it just zaps and um so that is when you know the meltdown occurs and the meltdowns they like i said they can look very different for for every different autistic person but um for me it's usually you know screaming yelling sometimes crying um you know just being like out of control and like it it does resemble um something that you know a younger child might do but we have to um this is like just one of the big stigmas around meltdowns that we have to understand they're not the same thing as tantrums Uh, a tantrum is something that a, a, a child get does usually a neurotypical child does to get what they want just because they, they want to get what they want. A meltdown is an intense emotional reaction to a sensory overload or emotional overload situation in, in, with a neurodistinct brain. And it is not something that we enjoy. It is not something that we like to do. It is not something that we choose to do. It is exhausting we it is probably even though i i always you know try to emphasize that i i do recognize all the positive traits of autism and i do like being autistic because i have a very unique perspective of the world compared to most people but there are struggles and and those are related to disabilities that are associated with autism and one of those disabilities Is sensory processing disorder and that greatly affects you know how you take in emotional and sensory stimuli and that is different and so many people don't understand that it is just it's not we don't take in emotional and sensory stimuli the same way that neurotypicals do we just it's a lot more intense for us and when that happens we are we are we simply cannot control it we cannot control it's going to happen it's a symptom of our disability we cannot control meltdowns what we can do is we can try to check in with ourselves before if we sense a meltdown is coming we can check in with ourselves see how we're doing you know where how is my self-care am i taking care of myself am i overwhelmed already am i already overheating is this should i step away from wherever i am should i go you know ideally for a lot of autistics and i feel this way too we want to be alone usually during these situations not because we don't like people around us but like the people around us but we just you know we need space to process Our emotions and cool ourselves down hopefully if we can Um, and if you sense the trigger and if you sense you're in the rumble stage where it's coming but it can still be stopped idea this doesn't always happen this isn't always able to happen we're not always able to control this but ideally you want to catch yourself and disengage do not engage in the situation or whatever it is and you know be able to hopefully cool yourself down but that's not always possible and we have to honor that we have to honor that particularly with uh certain you know certain cases of sensory processing disorder with certain autistics this varies by by person but they just you cannot sometimes you can't control the reaction it is going to happen and you don't you're not even in a place where you are aware of the self-care methods and how you can work to try to prevent meltdowns and what so i think what educators caretakers and parents really need to learn and understand About meltdowns is they are not tantrums they're not controllable behavior it is not just a matter of the behavior it is what is behind the behavior always ask yourself was there a sensory or emotional trigger behind the behavior had there been something leading up to this was the person already depleted were they already tired from uh not getting any sleep or whatever it may have been um you know always ask yourself like always understand like okay there's something that probably caused this and of course you want to be able to um to stop the meltdown but there's there's a way to do that you don't want to shame the individual for like having a meltdown you want to be able to de-escalate get them to be able to calm down and this is going to depend i can't i can't really get into specifics because this is going to depend greatly on the person but for me i like it when people are able to just very gently calm me down and i can go you know where wherever i can go to a space that i can just be like to by myself and or even i might even want to be with someone depending on the situation and the relationship um and just kind of relax and not really talk for a while but just kind of decompress and cool down um now, this leads to uh, burnout what burnout and shutdown is as well uh what both of those terms are um so melt after a meltdown, you know you're really really exhausted and you're feeling um you usually we feel guilty about meltdowns because once again you know we meltdowns aren't something something that we choose to have to do to have or to to just to get something we were legitimately literally overloaded our brain can't take any more input and it it's completely overloaded and it's a manifestation of that overload so and then after and that overload does not end after the meltdown what happens Mm -hmm. usually uh, also because of the feelings of guilt and everything after having the meltdown especially if you are in a society that doesn't really understand meltdowns and treats them as tantrums and you know you'll feel extra bad because people are like making you feel bad on top of you feeling bad already and so you can go into burnout for uh or shutdown and those are pretty similar but um you, you can go into burnout for sometimes weeks or months you know it can be days it can be weeks it can be months it depends on the person and the situation um, but when you're in burnout you are autistic burnout or neurodistinct burnout you basically it's it's very compared it gets misdiagnosed as depression a lot because the symptoms are very similar to depression. Um, you're basically, you know, you you can't get out of bed, you don't want to move around that much, You you don't have much energy to eat or engage with anyone, you don't really want to, you can't really take a phone call or really be texting, you're not really, you don't have the energy for any of that stuff. You just want to be alone, just, you know, lying down doing very simple things you know you don't even really have much energy to like to work to do anything it's really exhausting and it's one of the my least favorite uh disabilities that are associated with autism and uh, the executive dysfunction that causes a lot of that but you know the sensory processing disorder which causes the meltdowns can also cause a uh, burnout. And uh, yeah, it's there, there are ways, you know, once again, it's different for every person, but there are ways of taking care of yourself to, to get out of burnout. Um, something that works for me usually is I'll try to watch something that i like like a show that i really like or something and you know take it easy on myself just give myself time to rest and not feel bad if i have to um to do that but you know that's not always possible like if you have um depending on your work or school schedule and and there have been many times throughout my life that I have had to just, you know, suck it up or whatever. And I I was just feeling really shitty and, like, burned out and tired. And I would have to go to school. I'd have to get up at fucking um, 7 in the morning and, and, you know, get in the car and, and go to school. And, you know, that was a whole nother environment that was, you know, no one understood like I didn't even know I was autistic so no one else certainly did no one else was like understanding or accommodating or anything like I had all all a whole range of negative experiences at school as a lot of autistic people do so that was never a fun environment for me Um and yeah it was it sucked and and for a lot of people that is the reality and you know so, I should, I should highlight, if you have the privilege of being able to give yourself a day off, then you should give yourself a day off. And, you know, just try to um, relax and, you know, take care of yourself and, you know, make sure you stay hydrated, make sure you're well rested, try to create a sensory pleasing environment um which would mean you know like kind of lighting or sound that you enjoy that's pleasing to your brain rather than distressing that's a really helpful thing to do um to help yourself in these situations uh and then you know with with time and it depends and I can't say because it depends on every person too but and even myself it's it's kind of a dynamic thing um but eventually with time you do come out of the burnout but that does depend a lot on you know how the meltdown was handled did, did was everyone understanding including accommodating or would they like ostracizing you for the meltdown that how bad was the meltdown how bad were the emotions before the meltdown and then also during the shutdown phase or the burnout phase how how much were you able to take care of yourself? How, you know, were people supportive? Were people like constantly on you? Were people like telling you to pick up and go and get over it or whatever? It, it depends a lot on that um, uh, event and, and how long it takes to come out of burnout or, the sh- or shutdown. I'm going to try to differentiate burnout and shutdown a little bit. And these are terms that aren't really found and you won't find much research about this um, in the medical community Uh, even on Google you won't find a lot of stuff because it is uh, these are terms that were created by autistic people and autistic people are a lot of times silenced in these in this society so you may have not ever heard of these terms but uh and but, and they are actually terms that are used for they're used for neurotypicals as well but the experience of a neurotypical um burnout and a neurotypical shutdown is very different uh i don't actually it's i can't even say because i'm not neurotypical so i just don't understand but um it's it's very different and self-care usually it's very different too like for neurotypicals it's like a lot of neurotypicals not all neurotypicals but they think of self-care as like you know going to the spa and you know drinking cucumber water or whatever and for autistic people it's like being away from stimuli from people from sounds from light from noise being at home in your bedroom you know in a sensory pleasing environment whatever that may look like for you and just being able to give yourself and your brain to this is like to give your brain time to rest because you're not we're not machines see this is a problem with the society that we live in is like we're, we're treated like people are like machines they're supposed to be like functioning like every day 24 7. And we we don't, like, we're not machines, we're people. We have emotions, we have so much stuff that goes on in our lives that we can't, like, act like we're machines, you know? So, essentially, that that is... Uh, so, burnout and shutdown. Sorry, see, I'm getting in the weeds a little bit. Um, burnout, usually, it is after uh or at least for me it's after an emotional reaction or an emotional trigger or a meltdown you know some something along those lines Uh, it's usually to me in how i view it it's emotional related a shutdown to me is more like you're really it could be sensory it could be like you're just tired it could be like you know maybe there's no emotional conflict but you're just um really tired and you need to shut down you need to you don't want to talk to people and i think and i think actually now i'm coming to this realization I think the main difference with burnout and shutdown is actually not so much the emotional but it's like in a burnout you might be really burned out and you know not feeling great but you still communicate with people you're not like completely shut down and the shutdown is what would most likely follow a meltdown in most cases because a shutdown is when you are just completely shut down. You do not want to even engage with anyone. You do not even have the energy or will to talk to anyone on the phone or text or anything. You are in shutdown and you do not feel. Your brain is not ready. Your brain does not feel like interacting and engaging in that moment. Uh, So I'm going to try to get through the next couple topics now. I know we're already at 24 minutes. Um, So what I wanted to touch on, and this is brief, but I just wanted to emphasize about Autism related disabilities, and I, I, I think I, I did brush over this already, but just just to emphasize it again. Disabilities that autistic people have, particularly those with higher support needs, disabilities such as executive dysfunction, which affects your executive functioning, you know, like your energy and, and uh Ability to like complete certain tasks, sensory processing disorder, which affects you know how you take in uh, visual, audi- um, auditory and emotional sen- stimuli, sensory stimuli, and then that is also what can cause meltdowns and such. Another one is impaired neuromotor, fun- neuromotor function, and I have this myself. Uh, it, it is uh, associated with the difficulty to do things such as tying knots, uh, you know, it, it's it's associated with your neuromotor capabilities, uh, if that makes any sense to anyone. Um, hopefully, you understand I, I don't always explain these things very well. Um, so, yeah, those are like those are um, just some of the common ones. ataxia of speech or apraxia of speech. Ataxia is another one. Um, and then apraxia of speech would you know where th- this is related to non-speaking autistics. Um, a lot of these disabilities. They, they are related to autism. They are considered autistic traits. They are, you know, they are disabilities. They are disabling. But they are not, they do not represent autism as a whole. Autism is not defined by sensory processing disorder. Autism is not defined by uh, executive dysfunction. Autism is not defined by impaired neuro motor function. It's it's autism isn't defined by a proxy of speech. It's it's not defined by any of these things. But a lot of people automatically associate, assume in their head that it is, and that this is also why people assume that autism, the autism spectrum is this linear scale from mild to severe but it's not it's a real spectrum of different traits to different intensities and now onto the topic of dynamic disability for many autistics like myself the intensities of these traits can vary by day or even by hour by time of day they can vary greatly over a short period of time. Now, this is what we call. This is why we call these dynamic disabilities. Some of these, like, are dynamic disabilities, like sensory processing disorder, for instance. That is a dynamic disability, because sensory, um, sensory sensitivities. Uh, in my case, for example, and in the case of many other autistics. sensory sensitivities for us they can vary like there there will be certain times where I can be in a pretty loud this is just me this is me but um where I can be in a pretty loud place you know lots of lights lots of people whatever and I'm actually pretty calm because my self-care has been good that day I have been feeling I'm in a good place I'm in a good mood so I'm not too overwhelmed by the stimuli in a, On a day, however, that I'm not feeling very great, that maybe I didn't get a lot of sleep or what, it, whatever the case may be, I might be triggered by the sound of someone chewing at the table, like two tables away from me at a restaurant. I'm having a meal with my dad. I'm having a meal with my sister, with my friend, and whoever it may be, and and there's someone chewing two tables away, that could trigger me. That could, like, kind of put me into sensory overload a little bit. So, it's it's a dynamic disability. A lot of these disabilities are dynamic disabilities. And so, that is an overview on what dynamic disability means. Um, So, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it was kind of all over the place, but, you know, that's how how it is sometimes so make the best on what we have uh and i will see you again uh for the next one thank you for listening